Paxton Quigley is rolling out the green carpet, talking to the creme de la creme of innovators and influencers who are shaping the world of cannabis and culture. Welcome to High Society with Paxton Quigley. Well, hello to all of you cannabis aficionados and welcome to High Society with Paxton Quigley. I guess for the last, what, three months or more, all we can think about is the coronavirus every day. And we wait to hear if there's going to be a vaccine this year or next year, three years from now. So we're all under a lot of stress. And I do understand that a lot of people are, are taking various pills to calm down and some are smoking uh, marijuana, et cetera, et cetera. But so we're going to be talking about other things today. We're going to be talking about medical marijuana research. And basically, a lot of what we know out there is anecdotal. There hasn't really been enough research done on what marijuana can do. And so today we are going to be talking to a researcher at a university. It's called the Jefferson Thomas Jefferson University. It's based in Philadelphia. Pennsylvania, and she's going to be telling us about what she's been doing. She's been up before that she was, shall we say, a regular kind of doctor in a way, uh, and now she's into medical marijuana research, and of course, we're going to find out how she got into that and why, but she's been dealing with uh, a lot of people who have other problems, whether it's related to um, serious different kinds of illnesses. And so I want to first introduce Dr. Worcester. She's with us today. And also Teddy Scott. And what makes all of this very interesting for us is that this is probably one of the first times that a supporter an actual supporter of research is coming from within the cannabis industry. So I'd like to welcome Dr. Brooke Worcester, MD from Thomas Jefferson University Medical School, and also Teddy Scott, he's a PhD, and Mr. Scott, or I should say Dr. Scott, is the CEO of Ethos cannabis. That's spelled E-T-H-O-S. And he's partnering with Thomas Jefferson University on this marijuana study. And this partnership involving a cannabis company and state-approved cannabis research in and of itself is actually unique. So we'll be talking about that with Teddy Scott, as well as with Dr. Worcester. So I think it's time for us to get started. Uh, hello to you, Dr. Worcester. And welcome to High Society with Paxton Quigley. And we are both honored to have both of you here. But I think we'll first start out with you and uh, find out exactly how you got into this, why you got into this, and what exactly is your team doing right now? Because I know that it's actually underway. Mm -hmm. Hi, Paxton. Thank you for having me. Um, and please call me Brooke. Um, okay. <laughs> I am happy to be here and, and certainly happy to be with Teddy um, talking through this because I think it's it's kind of an interesting evolution of how this happened in Pennsylvania. But a little bit about my background and how I got into it is that um, I am 
So I'm an internist, sort of a general adult doctor, and then I sort of have specialty training in pain management and palliative medicine. So I really specialize in the field of cancer pain management. And frankly, I got into this because so many of my patients were coming to me or their family members and saying, what about this, right? What about marijuana? What about... um, kind of using this for help with pain relief or nausea or, you know, my mom's appetite. And I quickly realized I got a sum total of zero hours of training about uh, cannabis in medical school. And so I said, wow, I better kind of catch up. And when I kind of started digging, I, I realized very quickly what you alluded to earlier is that you know, there's a whole lot of information out there and uh, a whole lot of it is not of the good quality research that we typically sort of lean on in the medical field to help guide patients or make medical decisions. Um, But that being said, I kept seeing over and over and over again, the results that people were having. They were, you know, not always, it's not a panacea, but a lot of times it was well-tolerated, by and large, very safe for patients into their 90s and helpful. Um, And so that sort of led me into, you know, being more interested in this and and doing some observational studies in in our Sydney Kimmel Cancer Center here. And then I had the pleasure of kind of being in the sort of medical school that I am in the great organization of, of Thomas Jefferson University, which had the forethought to really work with Teddy and um, others on the business side of this to say, you know, how can we advocate for legislation to allow this kind of partnership to exist? And and that in and of itself took, you know, several years. And Teddy can speak to it sort of from the other side of it. But on, on the medical school side, you know, our CEO, Stephen Clasco, went up to the Pennsylvania legislature years ago to begin this sort of advocacy to say, listen, we are the, the research machinery here. Give us the ability to partner with someone so that we can do this. So we can figure out like, what's, what's the signal through the noise here? How do we guide our patients in a safe and helpful way? But what about the fact that the federal government you know, doesn't really uh, in, like to involve the, the uh, people in doing right. medical marijuana research. So what happened there? How, how are you getting away from that? What are you going to do about that? So this was, I think, a lot of forethought and collaborative efforts between, you know, the legislature in Pennsylvania, Teddy and his team and, and, you know, schools like Jefferson and Temple and Penn and others in Pennsylvania saying, we cannot sort of own this on our campus or actively possess it or dispense it without having a Schedule One license and, and sort of jumping through all the hoops that the federal government kind of puts out to us, getting the product from University of Mississippi, you know, everything everybody knows. But if we partner with a legal organization in the state and they're willing to, we can lend our sort of research bent to this and recruit patients through dispensaries, kind of operationalize this with the help of Teddy and the team at Ethos. So I'd like to talk with Teddy about this. Um, 
How did you feel about this when you when when you started talking to to the people at, at, at the university? Were you excited about it? Did you really see that something could definitely happen that would it would improve the, the cannabis industry in general? Yeah, it's actually it's a great question, Paxson. And just to give uh, Brooke, her team and the you know the, the leadership at Jefferson really credit as well as the people at Ethos Cannabis before me, really the credit they deserve of where we are. It's something where we are today is something I've been excited about and looking for for literally more than six years to be where we are. Is my as you mentioned, my background, I have a PhD in molecular biophysics and my my background was in rational drug discovery. And uh, after my PhD, I went to law school and I was a uh, the 15 plus years I was working with technology companies, but primarily biotech pharmaceutical companies, helping them uh, develop, protect, commercialize new therapies, new treatments. And so I was a I was a corner office equity partner at a big law firm uh, in Chicago, downtown Chicago at the time. This was 2014, January 2014. And I remember it very vividly because it was and it's that at that point in time, that was when, if you'll remember, that was when legal sales began in in Colorado for recreational cannabis. And so it was very much in the public mindset at the time. And someone came to me and said, hey, medical cannabis is coming to Illinois. Are you, know, are you interested in investing or getting it? And I looked at it and I was, really, I was really shocked because I had this background in medical research. I, one of my clients was an opiate manufacturer. And I was well aware of the problem with opiates well before um, the, the general public was aware of the opiate epidemic. It's that the drug companies have known about it for a long time. The client of mine was a good opiate manufacturer. They were trying their best to come up with less addictive opiates. And when I, and it was, but it, they haven't been able to do it. And when I was presented with medical cannabis back in 2014, I was really struck by one thing, and it's been six years later and it's still the same, is that it's called medical cannabis, but it's really not medical. You don't have any health professionals involved in it whatsoever. As you mentioned in the intro, it's anecdotal largely. It's anecdotal by the people that are using it and proponents of it, rightfully so, but all the people that are prohibiting the use and the federal government and the, you know, the, the ultra conservatives, they're being anecdotal as well. What's missing is the data. What's missing is what's the truth of what's going on? You have your beliefs. I've got mine. They've got theirs. And what I could see with my background, I could see in the data, I'm very well aware of G-coupled protein receptors, which are the, CB, uh, the CB1 receptor is, CB2. You can see there's something here, but nobody knows the the guidelines for it. What do you need to do? For God's sakes, you need to do research to figure it out. Right now, medical cannabis is patients, consumers on their own, mm -hmm. taking matters 100% completely into their own hands, completely dependent on what, who knows what people are telling them. And so what's missing is the data, the information. And so when I got into the industry, that was really the motivating factor for me going back six years. I've wanted to do this from the beginning. The problem I had, I started a company back in 2014, and we were trying to do this. 
when Pitt, when, uh, when Brooke laid out a little bit of this, I mean, the state of Pennsylvania and what Jefferson is doing is really tremendous leadership across the country in the world. As you said, this is really the first time this is happening. I'd been trying to do this for years. And so when my previous company was going through a process of getting bought last year, I resigned. And as I was looking to do what's next is like, what am I going to do next? I wanted to stay in cannabis, but it was only had to be the right place. And this is what I wanted to do. And here we were, you had Brooke and her team, you had Jefferson, you had my company that I'm now the CEO of, they all wanted to do this. And so here we are at this precipice of really for the first time exploring uncharted territory to be that bridge of data that links together what everybody thinks is going on right now. So it's well, a really- We're gonna, we're gonna take a break right now. And then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about exactly what is going on right now with this with the study. OK, okay. sounds good. More High Society with Paxton Quigley coming up after we hear from our privileged sponsors. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet take-anywhere treat. Dazed and infused. Join sugar industry expert Latham Woodward for a happier hour each week for a lively and often hilarious discussion on the infusion of cannabis into food, beverages, and life. Explore exciting new culinary landscape trends with fascinating friends and guests who are leading the industry into the uncharted mainstream. Discover curated menus, enhanced cocktails, and live tastings. Life's a little sweeter here on Dazed and Infused. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Paxton Quigley is back talking to the connoisseurs of cannabis and culture on High Society, only on CannabisRadio.com. Hello, everyone. We've been listening to Paxton Quigley and our guest today, that are talking about medical marijuana. With us today is Dr. Brooke Worcester from Thomas Jefferson University and also Teddy Scott, PhD. He's CEO of Ethos Cannabis and he's been a great supporter, I would say, to what is happening right now at the university. Brooke, please tell us what you're doing right now and how it's going 
-hmm. And most importantly for me is how are you getting uh, your your patients to come in? Or we can't call them patients, uh, your subjects. Because I think that, that, you know, like if, let's say I have a grandmother and I want her to come in and she lives in Philadelphia, how is she going to do that? Great question, Paxton. So I think to kind of back to what Teddy was saying before is that, you know, and I think this is why this has been such a good partnership is, is both of us have this same mentality of, you know, to do this well, we have to really be able to walk before we can run, right? So figuring out how to do this research, we can't jump into, you know, some kind of double-blinded, randomized, multi-site trial. We have to sort of figure out how to effectively sort of get all of the pieces in place to build off of it. So we've worked together to open our first study right now, which is a longitudinal observational study where patients that have qualifying conditions in the state of Pennsylvania, so 20 some odd odd different certifying kind of diagnoses, can enroll if they're interested. And honestly, it's it's exactly the same as any other clinical research that we run here. If, if patients kind of meet the criteria and are interested, we screen them and enroll them. And what we're doing is sort of following these patients over the course of a calendar year. And we have sort of very validated specific assessments that go at very specific time points to sort of assess Let's say someone has been kind of taking opioids for years for their chronic pain, and now they are layering in medical marijuana. We're going to assess sort of what the scale of their pain is, what the intensity of it is, um, and we're going to look at sort of how has the amount or quantity of opioids that they've been taking changed over the sort of time period with the marijuana, and what specific sort of structure and form and dosing of the marijuana are they using? Because one of the great things about this partnership is that I am blinded actually to anything that patients purchase in a dispensary. I can see them, I can certify them to get them in there, but then unless they are able to accurately report back to me, which is a whole nother issue as far as education to patients and labeling of products and all of that that needs to be improved too. But unless they can report it back to me, I'm a little bit blinded as to what they got. Okay, now wait, I wanna ask you something that uh, we've talked about a lot before and that is that there are all these different products out there. Mm -hmm. Are you recommending certain products? Because there there certainly are a lot of products out there on the market, hundreds uh, that, that, what they have inside is not what should be inside. So what are you doing about that? Great question. And for this first study, being that it's sort of what we call an observational study, we are not. We are not restricting or specifically recommending products. We're building kind of the foundation for the future studies, which we are sort of working through and talking about right now, where in fact, It will be a very narrow diagnosis, and we will be recommending sort of very specific kind of formulations and products to sort of test that either one against each other, right, or or sort of one against kind of a uh, 
a placebo version, but not a, not a placebo, but to see the the very specific kind of differential impact of different kind of makeups of or different sort of concentrations and ratios in in the different strains. Now I understand. Okay, now I understand uh, that Teddy's company is 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 basically paying for the the marijuana that, or I should say, the cannabis medical cannabis that they will be buying. Uh, this is directed to you, Teddy. Um, is there a conflict of interest there? I, you know, I I, I want to try and figure that out. No, it's a there's a there's a numerous, and this is a this is really good questions because what it really illustrates is the complexity of all this, the number of people involved, and also the need for numerous people to work together. That's really the interesting thing about Pennsylvania right now is that. At its most basic, I think you can you need to break this down into a couple of pieces. We as a we are we're a dispensary. We will be manufacturing our own products. Right now, we have all third-party products. Patients come in to our dispensary that are registered patients in Pennsylvania. They have been certified by some physician in the state. It could be a Jefferson physician, it could be someone at Brooks team or largely other physicians. But these are, as I was saying before, patients coming in with little to no direction from their physician, and they're making a purchase in our dispensary of products. Okay. And that data, the purchase data, all goes into the state system and in our system. Okay. We're the ones handling, selling the product. What we do with the partnership with Jefferson and their interaction with the state of Pennsylvania our patients, when they come in, and we have this on our website as well, as we offer to them, do you want to be a part of a study, the Jefferson study? So when they come in, if they're interested, we we interact, we, we hand them off to Jefferson. They enroll with Jefferson to be in the study. Jefferson does not provide the product. All they're doing is monitoring them from a health perspective. And what we so we're ending up coming together. We have the product information. We provide the product. Brooke and her team have the health information as they're following these patients. That the, the state of Pennsylvania Department of Health is involved kind of over the top to bring all this together. So this first study is a broad-based, it's open largely to pretty much you know any condition of, of a patient coming. And we Brooke, we have like over 400 patients, I think, enrolled now for the study. Isn't that right? Somewhere around 400. I mean, there's been a several hundred. Well, there's been several hundred that have expressed interest. Um, we it takes a little bit more time to to actually enroll and and come. Oh, that's right, the, of the one of the interest of, of the. We've the, had a it, lot of interest. Four hundred some people have already expressed interest. Yeah, and we launched we launched this only like a little more than a week now, ago. Now, how did they find out about this? I mean, just, did you do uh, commercials on on TV or or online? I mean, how did these four hundred people find out what you were doing? Well, we have we, we are have, doing. We have it on our website. If you go to our website, that's number one. Uh, number two is any every patient that comes in. I mean, this the the desire for this data. It's at the core of our company. It's this importance of the get to get to this information, and so it's part of our business model. Is we actively recruit, encourage. You know, because you yourself perhaps know better than anybody, Paxton, from interacting with more people uh, in that are you know open-minded to cannabis or using cannabis is 
they're believers in it. They're, they're advocates for it and they want to be, it's almost like a crowdsource type of, of endeavor is like, Hey, we think there's something here. We got to work together to find out so that we can show everybody what's here, but also learn from what problems or challenges there might be. So largely we are letting people know we're recruiting, it's active, but you'd be surprised how there's a, there's really a desire, a community oriented desire of marijuana, medical marijuana patients. They, they want to help others. I think that this is, and I will say this from the sort of medical side of things, um, just the increase knowledge and exposure in the media in general about cannabis, CBD, right? When the farm bill changes, things like that, you know, it's, it's potential kind of symptomatic relief for patients has grown exponentially. And this community, and I'm not even saying like the diehard long-term supporters, I'm saying the people that had something medically happen, tried it, got relief but this community is sort of unlike a lot of others that I see as far as saying, like Teddy mentioned, you know, I want to support the and and be an advocate for sort of building the knowledge around this. So, you know, it's been this kind of really interesting thing to see that, you know, once Ethos kind of started advertising it and, and we had some, you know, press local in the Philadelphia Inquirer and things like that, that people are very much saying, I want to be a part of this. Well, we are going to talk more about the people that you are, are dealing with when we come back. Please wait. <laughs> okay. Stay on the line. More High Society with Paxton Quigley coming up after we hear from our privileged sponsors. Let me welcome Nick Hexum from 311. We've never heard things like your music when it first came out. It's like to mix the reggae with the punk and all of that together was just such an unusual sound and, and we loved it. We realized we're not going to copy what's on the radio. At the time, it was all grunge at what that was on the radio. And I said, let's just stick to what we know and wait for a culture to come around to us. Hey, it's Nick Hexum from 311, and you're listening to Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina on CannabisRadio.com. Let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone gonna make you say wow The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little your empire grows large Put the big celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is him pink, that's the point Download and play while you light yourself a joint the business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Duck Rob. 
the concierge for better living. My guests say Razzie Berry. We're talking about nature, naturopathic medicine, as well as the concept of prevention and preventing disease. Empower people to live a naturopathic lifestyle. Get to know your body, understand its rhythms, remove toxins, and use natural alternatives whenever possible. 90 to 95% of cancers are due to environment and lifestyle risk factors. That's a huge number. That means that cancer is preventable. The Concierge for Better Living with Doc Rob. Only on CannabisRadio.com. Paxton Quigley is back talking to the connoisseurs of cannabis and culture on High Society. Only on CannabisRadio.com. Well, welcome back. We've been discussing a wonderful, interesting study that is just started at... uh, at the University of Thomas Jefferson, which is located in Philadelphia. Now, I want to ask you, let's say um, I've got a friend who lives in New York, has heard about the study. Will you take her? So, great question. And I think that's, you know, as uh, I, I also sort of know that Teddy's ears broke up about this too, is, is our next step is trying to say, okay, how can we make this a multi-state, multi-site effort? For right now, the regulations are that you have to be enrolled in the Pennsylvania program. But states, other states are already starting to model after Pennsylvania's program here. So I have good hopes, especially Jefferson exists in New Jersey as well. So we're already starting to think about how can we make this sort of a multi-state research effort. But at the moment, Pennsylvania program only. Yeah, and I'll say, Professor, from the ethos, uh, Brooke is right, and that's, you know, ethos right now, we have operations in in, in Massachusetts where we did an acquisition, we having some dispensaries in Maryland, and we've applied in southern, or in New Jersey, and it's to what Brooke's talking about. Our goal is this, with Thomas Jefferson, will be the lead, but it's our goal is to take this to other states involve other institutions. I'm a big believer in the power of community and we need to have stakeholders from numerous groups coming together. And my hope, and it was the excitement of coming together with Thomas Jefferson is once we get this going, the leadership there, I I believe, I hope, will help other institutions in other states. As Brooke was saying, other states are starting to look to the program in Pennsylvania as a model. We're at Ethos, hoping to be for other companies and ourselves to be a model to other states of, hey, we got this great thing going with the data set in Pennsylvania. Hey, we've got operations in Massachusetts as well. Harvard, do you want to get involved with this on a public health side of things? Imagine the extra data, how, how the, the more robustness of the data and more quickly we can get to these answers that, I mean, here's the last thing I'll say on this, Paxson, real fast. It's an amazing, when you think about that right now in this country, over 73% of the population lives in a state where medical marijuana is in is the law. Think about that. It's almost three quarters. It's the vast majority is so you have these governments that are allowing it to, to be open, but nobody knows anything about it. And so we're, we're trying to fill that void, take that leadership. It's working great in Pennsylvania. It's just starting, but it's really a time for a call to action of really these other states. Stop sticking your head in the ground and pretending that this isn't happening it's going all around us. Let's get to the bottom of it. Good. I like hear. I like hearing that. Now I want to ask you, and this is more, shall we say, scientifically uh, oriented. Uh, is this a double-blind study, and is the study going to be peer-reviewed? 
So the study will be peer reviewed, of course, but it's not, this one is not blinded. This is sort of what we call observational longitudinal study where we kind of allow people to access what they want and we track their results. We are not pre-specifying or blinding in any way what they get. But I also just want to add that from the, the sort of medical scientific side of this, I hope that this is a call to action to the medical community who has very much drug their feet behind, you know, every other aspect of, of the cannabis sort of society, patient advocacy, parent advocacy, people like yourself, Paxton, you've pushed this. Physicians, we've sort of put our head in the sand and said, I don't know, and I can't figure it out. And <laughs> we better take this by and large as a call to action to say, listen, my patients are using this. I need to figure out like, what the hell do I kind of need to know to help them with the best way to use it? You know, I would love to have you on longer, but time has run out. But can you give out your website, please, so that other people can can learn about what you're doing? Sure. The The website for, for us at Ethos is ethoscannabis.com. E-T-H-O-S, cannabis. I'm sure y'all all know how to spell .com. Good. Well, I want to thank both of you for being on. And I'd love to have you on again, let's say, six months from now, so you can tell us how, how you're proceeding. Okay? That'd be great. You promise? You promise? Good. Again, thank you very much for being on the show today. And folks, uh, we thank you for listening to us. I hope you enjoyed it too. Of course, you can stay in touch with us on Twitter, on Facebook, on LinkedIn by going to High Society with Paxton Quigley. So until next week, please stay healthy and balanced. I'm Paxton Quigley. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.